Well, good morning, everybody. This week, we're continuing our time in Ephesians chapter 5, and this week's talk follows on closely from what we learnt in last week's passage. And I'm going to be giving you lots more photos of my family. In the first part of chapter 5, we learnt that we should imitate God, and we can do that because we're now his children. He's our dad. And imitating dad means walking in love, not walking in muck, but walking as light. And walking in love means having our lives filled with the Holy Spirit by doing lovely things, such as speaking to each other with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God from our heart, thanking God for everything, and for submitting to each other. There are four things Paul gives, and we're starting today with the fourth of those, the fourth way of filling our life with God's Spirit. And that's why the outline begins with point four. Paul is now going to give three examples of submitting to help us understand how to apply it to submitting to each other. But before we get there, I thought it'd be useful to say something about love, about God's love. When I worked on the uni campus talking to young men about God's love, I would say something like this. Imagine the girl of your dreams was across the courtyard there. So you go up behind her, you hit her on the head, you grab her, drag her back to your place and lock her up. Then you can spend the rest of your life with her. The young guy would be shocked. He'd say, no way. I'd say, why not? Don't you want to spend the rest of your life with her? And he would say, not like that. That would be horrible. I want her to choose me. I want her to choose to love me. So you wouldn't force her to love you? You can't force someone to love you or it's not love. God doesn't force us to love him. He waits, hoping that we will, always loving us all the while. This is important because we are to imitate God's love. Ephesians 5 verse 21, it'll help if you open your Bibles and follow along. Ephesians 5 verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. I can't force anyone to submit to me or demand it or even expect it, but I can hope for it and I hope you will. And when you do accept what I say, how should I receive it? I should receive your submission as a generous gift to me and thank you for it and thank God for it. You can't force me to submit to you either. Well, if you're stronger than me, more powerful than me, maybe you can force me to submit to you. But that would be stepping in muck and darkness, not walking in love as light, imitating dad. Love would never try to control and force the other, manipulating them emotionally or twisting words. You can't force someone to love you or it's not love. Paul is asking us to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Everything Paul is about to say, he brings back to Jesus. 
at least 12 times in these 22 verses today, Paul makes our submission to each other about our submission to Jesus. Hopefully, we're all happy to submit to Jesus and his rescue, so we should all be happy to submit to each other. We don't wait until others deserve our submission. They are not the reason we submit to them. Jesus is the reason we submit to each other. Most of the time, we will get on well enough. But when we disagree, both of us should take a step back from the disagreement and be willing to submit to the other because of Jesus. Our love for each other has to be bigger than our disagreement. And our submission should never involve walking in muck or darkness. So submitting to Jesus will never mean doing something immoral that grieves God or doing something illegal that breaks the laws of the government that God has put in place. And it won't mean harming anybody, harming the other. There are clear limits to submission. So don't submit to me if I ask you to do something that's immoral or illegal or hurtful to you. And I certainly won't submit to you for within those limits as well. But outside those limits, we submit to each other. That's our default. So let's look at Paul's specific examples. Point 4A, marriage. Point 4B, families. And point 4C, workplaces. They're, they are to help us all to know how to submit to each other. Submission will look a bit different at different times, but will always be governed by love, always imitating dad. So 4a begins at verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Note Paul is talking to wives, not husbands. He's not telling husbands what they must make their wives do. He's not even talking to them. He's excluding them from this conversation. You should be ready, wives, to submit to your husband. Already Paul has, is putting extra limits on a wife's submission, only to your own husband, not to any husband or any man, and you do it out of submission to Jesus. He is your ultimate head, so don't submit to anything immoral, illegal or hurtful to you. Most of the time in our marriage, Sue and I sit down and work things out together and we work out the way forward. Sue does some things, I do others. Things are done by mutual submission. It's mostly straightforward, pretty easy, most of the time, until there is a disagreement. So what happens then? Verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, a wife should submit to the husband. We, the church, choose to submit to Christ, all of us, out of love and generosity towards him. The wife should submit as a choice out of love and generosity. For young women, this shows how important it is picking your husband well with great wisdom. Can a wife talk about the decisions the husband is making? Can she gently push back, explore the choices, take time to pray about it and seek wisdom? 
Of course. And that two-way, mutual respect, mutual love, mutual submission should be the norm. But in the end, if your husband doesn't see it your way, then you submit. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Paul has stopped talking to wives and now talks to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So we husbands are to love our wives and give ourselves up for her. When Jesus died for us, his bride, why did he do it? Verse 26 said, says it was to make us lovely by washing us with the word of God. So we will be a beautiful wife. And verse 28, in the same way as Jesus loves us, we husbands should love our wives as our own body. When we love our wives, we are loving ourselves. Abusing my wife is abusing myself. Verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body. So no husband should ever hate his wife or do anything that isn't loving or for her benefit. Verse 29 continues, we husbands are to be more concerned with our wives' benefit, her needs, than our own, her physical, emotional, spiritual needs. And when there is a disagreement, we husbands need to take a step back and ask ourselves, should I insist? Am I wanting what is best for my wife or best for, my, or best for me, for myself? Is it that important? Is this about her holiness? Do I need to change my mind about this issue? What if she doesn't submit? Well, then there is a problem. But our role as husbands is to keep loving our wives far above fixing the problem. But isn't making her submit the right thing for me to do? If we try and make our wives submit, force them, we're walking in muck and inky darkness. It's better to go easy on yourself. Accept things will not be perfect. Work on the part of your, your marriage that is your responsibility, loving your wife. In verse 31, Paul does something very interesting. He looks back to the first marriage. Adam and Eve both came from the same body that God made, and in marriage they become one body again. And Paul says, this is not talking about Adam and Eve, but about Christ and his bride, his gathered people, the church. Marriage is first about Jesus and his bride. Our earthly marriages are little glimpses of that great one. In verse 33, Paul sums up this section. However, each of you husbands must also love his wife as himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This reflects Jesus and his bride. It's not your spouse's behaviour that drives you wives to submit and us husbands to love. It is Jesus and his sacrificial love for both of us that is our motivation all the way through this section. 
can a husband submit to his wife? The answer is the same as, can a wife love her husband? No one is excluded from loving or submitting. Sue submitting to me is my hope, but not my responsibilities. Sometimes I'm a hard person to submit to. I'm responsible to love her like Jesus, and sometimes that is hard for me. Point 4b, families. Here we start chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Again, Paul says, it's about Jesus more than parents. Kids, don't be surprised when your parents set limits for you about devices or social media or whatever, or they discipline you. Of course, you can discuss Gently push back, tell your side, tell how you feel, but your job is to submit. Another thing it means is that you should be glad when your parents talk to you regularly about God and Jesus and the Bible and prayer and pray with you. As you grow, the requirement to honour our parents doesn't change but it does look different. Submitting when you're a preschooler is different as a primary schooler and is different as a high schooler. When you leave home, it changes again. It's good to keep parents aware of what is happening and honour them by asking them for advice, often, and taking their thoughts into account. And when you're married, you have formally left your father and mother and been united to your spouse. Should you still put parents ahead of your own family? And if not, how will you still honour them? And as your parents become frail, what does that mean for you? What, what changes will you have to make? How are parents to receive their kids' submission? Verse 4, fathers bring them up in training and instruction in the Lord. Each child is different and they keep changing and keep growing, which is wonderful, but it means you have to keep up. And as they grow, your relationship changes, but it always means aiming them towards Jesus more than aiming them towards you. How do you exasperate them? How do I exasperate? How did I exasperate my children? By being inconsistent, by putting unrealistic expectations on them, by punishing them too quickly, by not being considerate when I ask them to do something. Being considerate means to consider their individuality, their situation, their age, their stage of life, their feelings. When they were little, my kids loved submitting to me and yet I often just expected it and took it for granted. I often missed out on delighting in their submission and thanking them for it. Point 4C, the workplace. 2,000 years ago in Ephesus, workplaces looked a little different to Australia today. Most workplaces were within the home. Family businesses often with slaves. 
So verse 5, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and honour and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Working for someone else is about working for Jesus. Verse 6, obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Paul's repetition here is huge. We are to work as servants of Christ, doing God's will from the heart, knowing we are actually serving Jesus and Jesus will reward us much better than our boss. Paul says these things are true for slaves and free. So perhaps your boss is a slave driver, perhaps he's a good boss. Either way, you see yourself in a bigger reality. You are working not for yourself or for your boss, you are working for Christ. So how should masters receive such generous service? Verse 9, don't threaten them because their real boss is the same as your real boss and you both answer to him. As I was writing this sermon, I was at our dining table and Sue was at our home office and I noticed it was one o'clock and time for lunch so I popped my head in the door and asked Sue what I could get her for lunch. And she said, oh, I don't know. Um, uh. So I thought I'd stir her. I said, submit, woman. Give me your answer. Sue said, it's odd to submit to you when you're the one making lunch for me. I wasn't expecting that answer. I think it's worth remembering all the times people have generously submitted to you your kids, your workers, your wife, your brothers and sisters in Christ. I've tried to remember times Sue has generously submitted to me. So many, I'm sure I've forgotten most, but a few I do remember. When we were deciding to go to Kenya as missionaries, it was a big decision. We talked about it a lot and prayed about it. Sue wasn't keen. It was pretty much my decision in the end. And Sue submitted to me. Within six months of arriving, she was teaching English at the kids' school and within a few years was a department head at the school. She flourished. We stayed until my work was finished. Sue agreed to stay as long as it took. Lovely submission by her for 11 years. On returning to Australia, I blobbed out for a few months recovering Sue was already teaching English at church ESL classes, teaching scripture at the local school and doing a certificate in teaching English to adults. Something she had always wanted to do, but for 30 years had put it off in submission to me. The certificate became a master's and she was employed by Anglicare to train and resource English classes at churches in our region. Our Old Testament reading today, Proverbs 31, describes a good wife, an awesome woman, 
She is very independent as you read this, working at home and working away from it, buying land, making her decisions, always focused on her husband and her children, always focused on her family. Her husband has full confidence in her, verse 11. He blesses her and praises her, verse 28. And in verse 30 it says, A wife like this who fears the Lord is to be praised behind all she does. This awesome woman, this awesome woman is her relationship with God. Ephesians 5 and Proverbs 31 are talking about the same wife. When we submit to each other, we are living spirit-filled lives. We are walking in love. We're imitating Dad, our Father God. We should submit to each other more and more. It's a generous act by the one submitting, a gift to the receiver, a gift to Jesus. It's part of submitting to Jesus. And when we're in the privileged position of receiving someone's generous submission, let's make sure we appreciate it as a gift every time and thank them and thank God for them and never take it for granted. Submission should be joyfully received with thanks. Submitting should not be forced or demanded or even expected, but it should be our hope. A husband's love is to be like Jesus' sacrificial love. A parent's love is to be like Jesus' steady love. A boss's care for his workers is to be like Jesus' gentle love. Jesus is always the answer, or else the question is wrong. Try and remember a time when your wives, kids, workers submitted when they didn't want to. That's a great thing to do. Remember those times. Recall them. Recall a time when your husband or parents or boss did something lovely you didn't expect. And thank God. Submission and receiving submission is about our relationship with Jesus. Let's finish by praying. Let's pray together. Father, help us to be like you, to walk in love Fill our lives with your spirit by submitting to each other. Father, it's not easy or natural for us. Please change us so we want to do it more and more. For your son's glory. Amen.